Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And in today's episode, we are joined by author and fellow bookstagrammer, Andrea Norse. Andrea's latest book, After Everything, is available October 20th. After Everything is a story about Abby Rhodes, who's a small-town girl with big songwriting dreams. But after settling down with her high school sweetheart in her hometown and seeing the realities of what her life will become flash before her eyes, she takes a chance on her dream and leaves everything behind for Nashville. She ends up on the doorstep of her estranged father's house, finally in the city of music, but without a clue as to how to find her voice again. With the help of a handsome local singer-songwriter and a group of friends at her neighborhood dive bar, she finally puts herself on center stage in her life and in her career. Andrea is an independently published author and will be sharing her journey to publishing with us. Here is our conversation with Andrea. Well, welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining us on Read It or List It today. We'd love if you could begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your book, After Everything. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, Well, I am a working mom in Nashville. I love uh, reading and writing women's fiction. So After Everything is my latest novel and probably my most, uh, I would say, personal or favorite. Uh, The main character is somewhat based on a little bit on me and then a little bit on a friend of mine who was supposed to end up actually moving to Nashville with me. So uh, when I sat down to write the story, my initial inspiration was it's quarantine. Um, I'm a working mom. My husband's trying to balance his schedule. I'm trying to balance mine. The kids are home. I'm going to write a story about a single unemployed woman without children. (laughs) So I can live (laughs) vicariously through the pages. (laughs) Uh, and in the process of doing that, I kind of ended up writing my friend's like a what if story. A That's young beautiful. woman who uh, kind of takes a, a long, hard look at her life and decides that she's not living how she wants to and how she needs to and takes a risk and takes a chance to do what she needs to to get herself on the path that she wants to be on. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, we know that you are an independently published author, um, which is we've never had an independently published author (laughs) on the show before, which is awesome. So we were wondering if you could explain a little bit about the process about independent publishing, or is there a difference between independent publishing and self-publishing? Indie and self are essentially the same thing. Uh, So there's two avenues that you can self-publish through. The biggest is Amazon. Their platform is called KDP, and it publishes directly to Kindle. Uh, you can also do paperbacks. And then the other option, which is what I went through this time, is with Ingram Spark. Ingram allows you to be in their catalog, and Ingram is one of the world's largest book distributors, so that independent bookstores, other retailers are able to actually stock your book and you get to be on a wider platform. So wow. that is the route that I took. Because um, as much as I love Amazon, because there's a lot of opportunities for self publishing and indie authors. It's, I wanted to be in a more, um, a wide environment where people who aren't shopping on Amazon or potentially could purchase my book and also support an indie bookstore. So that's why I went this route this time, which has been a learning curve, but it's been good because my book is actually going to be in Parnassus, which is one of the big indie bookstores here in Nashville. Um, what? So that was, that was a big, um, one of those big accomplishments. Granted, they, you know, it's a, it's a small store, so they don't buy a ton of copies, but my book will still be in a bookstore. And thanks to COVID, I probably won't get to see it in the bookstore. (laughs) Um, But but I know it's there and I got to hand deliver them. And that was, 
that was a big day. I kind of, I teared up and called my mom as soon as I left. I was like, you'll never guess what I just did. That's so cool. Parnassus is a huge store. I feel like that's one that, um, I've only been to Nashville one time and unfortunately it was for a bachelorette party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I didn't get to go, but I know everyone, people travel to Nashville. Parnassus is a huge, um, stop for book lovers. So hopefully people will be able to stumble upon it. Yeah, it's a fantastic store. I've been a few times and I, I tend to order on the website more than anything, but I love them and I love everything that they stand for. And they're super supportive of authors, which is great. Was there anything like in terms of if you have any advice for other authors who are looking to go the independent publishing route, which one worked better for you? Which one is more user friendly and easier to go through? I would say Amazon is definitely the easiest. Uh, There's a lot of different opportunities with Amazon, um, especially if you go with their Kindle Unlimited platform which puts your book out there free for all the Kindle Unlimited subscribers and you get paid per page read. And that tends to get you to a wider mm-hmm. audience within Amazon. Uh, so it's also a little bit more user-friendly. Ingram Spark, even, you know, I consider myself fairly tech savvy and I published, self-published three books through Amazon. But Ingram had a few things that you have to do a little bit different. Like you have to buy your own ISBN, uh, which mm-hmm. is the barcode number on the back of the book. So that was a little bit different. And then uh, they don't always automatically calculate your foreign pricing. So that was a really fun day of going back and forth between Google (laughs) and figuring out, okay, what's the currency exchange in Canada today? But for me, what I liked about Ingram that Kindle, I didn't, or KDP didn't do as well is I had a little bit more control and um, I could also time things a little bit different with uh, KDP, your paper books, they don't, uh, paperback, excuse me, they don't allow you to do pre-orders on. You can Mm -hmm. only have pre-orders on the Kindle books. So with Ingram, I was able to have pre-order live at like uh, Barnes and Noble and other print websites. So that was a big difference for me because I wanted to kind of treat it the way a traditional book is treated from a marketing standpoint. You know, spending the last two years on Bookstagram, I kind of got to a little bit of advantage to see how traditional publishers market and how they treat books as they're coming out. And I really wanted to kind of, on a much smaller scale with limited to no budget, to be able to kind of replicate that to see if I could get a little bit more success than in the past. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you mentioned how this book kind of came out of quarantine and being in this state of unknown. (laughs) So how do you think writing during this time, how is that different than in your other books? How did it impact your ability to tell the story, if at all? Yeah. So with After Everything, I, I tend to be a fast writer in general, but this one I was, I had the full 80,000 words in about 45 days. Um, because once I get into the story, it usually same thing with reading, you get pulled in and I'm like, I know what's going to happen, but I want to know how they get there and all the little things that change over the course of the book. And so being on stuck at home allowed me, granted I was working and had the kids, but I had more time at night or in the morning or, you know, during lunchtime when the kids are napping that I could focus on it and sit down and write. Um, after that, it's been a little bit more strenuous. We just moved. My son started kindergarten. Uh, I went back to the office. My kids went back to school. And it's just so 
I took advantage of the March, April timeframe. And since yeah. then, it's been uh, a little harder to focus. I well, you're <laughs> balancing all of that. Yeah, I mean, we both moved and we thought that was hard, but we're <laughs> just trying to take care of ourselves. <laughs> uh, as I told my husband, I'm, I'm never moving again. I will die in this house. I will be buried <laughs> in this house. We are not doing that ever again, especially, granted, you know, the pandemic changes things. But it was just, it was not a fun process. I love the house. I love being in the house. But the whole process leading up to it, it was just a constant, like, every day is like, what else could go wrong? Oh, (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) Um, But I guess, especially in um, these, these strange times that we are living in, you are creating your own deadlines already because you've already written three books before, after everything. Um, so how do you um, enforce those self-imposed deadlines or um, just like what kind of structure do you give yourself to complete your books? Well, by day, my job that pays the bills is in retail marketing. So, and I lead a de- we're a team of two now. It was just a team of, or a team of three, excuse me. It was just a team of two. So I'm used to having to build my own structure and to build a plan. So I kind of treat my books almost like I do a marketing plan. I build out my timeline. Okay, I want to finish the book in this amount of time. There's obviously room for flexibility. And then after everything is probably the first one where I didn't let it sit for six months to a year. Um, typically when I finish a book, I just, I'm done with it. I don't, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to think about it. Uh, but after everything, the characters and the story kind of stuck with me and I, I wasn't able to set it aside and move on to something else while I kind of was able to take a step back and, uh, before editing. So after everything I dove right into edits and then sending it off to the editor, but, uh, I tend to set those, I knew I wanted to publish in October uh, so I kind of work backwards. You know, if it's I wanted to have a two to three month time frame for pre-orders, so I knew what my deadline was to get the book uploaded. Um, but I kind of try to usually write the book, and then after a few months, I come back to it and build the plan to how I want to publish it. This one was just a little bit different because I felt so strongly about the character and the story. Very cool. Um, I mean, speaking of the character in the story, um, Abby's story is really one of second chances and a bit of self-discovery like you were speaking to earlier. Um, And I know you said that this was sort of inspired by quarantine and then obviously like a bit of your own story and the story of your friend. Um, But why did you want to tell this story? Like why? I mean, I think we can really tell how passionate you are about this book in particular and um, obviously like wanting to get it out. But why? Why did you want to tell this story? You know, aside from sitting down to write the the single woman, childless, uh, unemployed, I also wanted to write a story for me because I spent all of 2019 writing and querying agents and trying to write what I thought agents or editors and publishers would want. And so I loved those books and I will probably eventually self-publish them, but it also kind of beat me down a little bit mentally um, because the rejection is is not fun. And when you're getting a hundred rejections in a year, it's just one of those like, okay, cool. But what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And so when I sat down and started writing after everything, I said, I'm writing this for me. I'm writing the book that I want to write 
know, I moved to Nashville to be a songwriter and I've been here almost 16 years now and life took me on a different course and I wouldn't change any of that, but I wanted to be able to sit down and kind of tell a, if things had gone differently and I had stuck to songwriting instead of shifting into books, like what might've happened. Yeah. Uh, but in really exploring that, you know, cause I think especially as a woman and as a mother, so many parts of our life are dictated by what others expect of us. And, you know, creating Abby was really about creating a woman who was taking control of her life and taking control of the path that she wanted to lead for herself. And I don't think women are often encouraged to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, and that's kind of what came out I, as I started writing her character and, and kind of really discovering where, what her past was, where she came from and how she ended up where she is. And I just wanted to make that strong character that I think, you know, she may make choices that we don't agree with, but I think what resonates the most about Abby is that she's unapologetic in chasing her dreams and chasing her goals. Yeah. I love that. And what about any, any inspiration for Derek's character or um, Jacob or Noah or any of the um, male characters that we see throughout this book? You know, typically when I write male characters, it's usually the type of guys that, um, you know, like Derek is like, you know, he, he has his own goals and his own things, but he sees something in Abby that he, he knows that he can help her kind of dig deeper and really encourage her to take those next step without like being yeah. and taking responsibility for it. And I think as, you know, as, as women and as significant others, there's so many times I'm like, I just have a problem. I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted Derek to be was that supportive role, but he wasn't her, you know, knight in shining armor. He was there to help her find her voice, but she kind of did it on her own with his encouragement and his pushing. And then Noah and Jacob, I think they just kind of came out as I wrote them, mm-hmm. which is usually aside from the main characters, the, the secondary characters, I tend to, I develop them as I develop the main character and figuring out like, why is she doing these things? Is it because of past interactions or past lives? And, and so there's not really a, you know, one or, or two people that those are characters are based on. Yeah, I love thinking about it from that point of view. But there are, I mean, we have some great, like, hunky male characters in this book. (laughs) So if this book was turned into a movie, like, who would you picture playing your characters? Or or even if they don't have to be actors or actresses, they could be singers. Um, Well, I think anybody that follows me on Instagram knows that Chris Evans is going to have a role somewhere in this. (laughs) Um, He is my celebrity crush. I call him my boyfriend. Uh, so definitely Chris Evans. I don't know if I see him as Derek, but maybe. And it's funny because usually when I sit down and start to write character bios, I will pick actors for them. This time I just picked random people on the internet who kind of fit what they looked like. But I also, I would love to see maybe not Taylor Swift or maybe a, a Kelsey Ballerini or someone as, as Abby, um, kind of that youthful, but also mm-hmm. empowering presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then. I try, it's funny because when I, when I picked out Abby's mom, I didn't realize it, but when I Googled the characteristics, it ended up being an Australian porn star. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, when I was like trying to find more pictures, like, oh no, I, like, I don't remember her name, but I was just like, okay, well maybe, 
maybe this is not quite appropriate, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> who knows? Maybe, maybe another book. Sometimes. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, that is funny. <laughs> I pictured a like, like a Casey Musgraves type as Abby, but I think it may have just been because of the the book cover. Because I yeah. know she has like dirty blonde hair. It actually. Yeah, and there's a um, I, th- I think they're called the Rec Laws. But uh, when I was writing this and editing it, I, Apple Music always does those new music playlists. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do I listen to them because it's just I don't know them. But I put on one one day and like every song kind of aligned with it. Like Morgan Wallen's More Than My Hometown. I was like, oh, that's kind of Jacob's song. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a few a few moments with music that really tied into it. Um, but I imagine like the although the Reclaws are brother and sister, but it's like I could hear a little bit of Abby and Derek in their voices. Yeah. And we have a little bit of, you know, we, we get a glimpse of what their songs are in this book through a few lyrics. Did you ever like flush out a a full verse or a little bit of a song to kind of get in that headspace for what Abby's writing or or what her and Derek are collaborating on? I did. So like I said, I moved to Nashville to be a songwriter and it's been so long since I sat down to write lyrics but I've always wanted to write a book that was centered on music and that had lyrics as part of it. So when I first sat down and realized that Abby was going to be a songwriter, I, the first one I wrote was the after everything. And most of them, I just got through a, a verse and a chorus. Mm-hmm. I would love to you know, someday sit down and, and kind of maybe collaborate and write the songs for the, the book. But for me, the biggest thing was writing the book. And then the lyrics were for a fun exercise and I kind of remembering what brought me here and what brought me to the book. That's awesome. Um, so I know you mentioned that um, the the route of traditional publishing uh, was really getting to you and beating you down in 2019. But do you think that you will ever continue pursuing traditional publishing? Um, I probably will because there's a part of me that still wants to see my book at Target. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, what's your goal? And I was like, I want my book at Target. <laughs> I just, I want to be walking down the aisle with a latte and be like, oh, look, there's my book. Um, so I think it's still something that I would love to consider. Um, but I also know that the one thing I love the most about self-publishing is being able to have that control. Yeah. You know, I get to be a part of like the cover design. I had, my friend uh, Maria did the initial sketch and then my husband finished it and tightened it up. He did my other covers. Um, where Which it's a beautiful cover. It's it's a I really stunning cover. With it. It's my favorite one so far. And it was funny because my husband's like, well, this is so different from your other ones. And I was like, I know. <laughs> He's like, my other ones kind of all flowed together. And I was like, I kind of want to have a, a new look because I feel like this book, at least in my mind, is kind of like an evolution forward. And I want to, and what I want to keep doing. So I wanted to create a new look and feel for this one. Um, and when you're traditionally published, you don't get a say in that for the most part, it's, here's your cover. Um, you might get to make a few suggestions and tweaks. Um, I also love that I can, and it's also kind of hard sometimes too, but having those editorial being the final word and be, and not having to play into what's commercial Mm -hmm. because I, I, as much as I do want to sell books and I would love to eventually make a living as a writer, but I also want to be able to tell the stories that I want to tell because I know that there's stories that people want to read. And it may not necessarily be something that would end up on the New York Times bestseller, but if I can reach 
one person who can relate to the character or see themselves on the pages, that's really my goal. And, well, you know, I, I feel like when you traditionally publish, you have a lot of hands in the plot and the pot and a lot of hands trying to change things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's for the better, but then there's times where I've talked to other traditionally published authors whose books ended up not being the book that they wanted to write, but that was what the publisher wanted. And that's what they're, they had to do from a contractual standpoint that they, they had to deliver the book the publisher wanted. And in the time being, they kind of lost the soul of the book that they had put into it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, other authors that you've talked to, do you have any other favorite independently published authors? I do. There's several that I um, adore. Maria Ann Green is one. She's a thriller writer. She also does romance uh, and own voices. She is the one who kind of sketched the initial draft of my cover. So she's she's insanely talented and um, I adore her and her books. And then I've started doing some uh, indie book tours to help other indie authors reach the bookstagram audience because I think there's a lot of times where it's harder for them to reach out to some of the bigger bookstagrammers because they're typically not open to indie authors. So I've kind of set this goal as I want to be able to kind of break the stigma. My goal is is to help lift up and push some of those other indie authors out of, you know, that barrier and to be able to reach a wider audience. But and so I've, I've discovered a few new ones in the process of that. Uh, like Tori Alvarez, who I just read her book, Beautiful Collision, a couple of weeks ago. And she's a phenomenal book, phenomenal author, and phenomenal person. So, yeah. I think you can definitely find a lot um, of really great independently published books in the romance genre. Yeah. Um, last Christmas, I found a book by Ashley Shepard called Faking Under the Mistletoe. And it was like one of my favorite books of the year. And I had no idea that it was independently published because the cover really matched how like the trade paperback um, Mm -hmm. trend is in romance right now. And I feel like your your book cover also fits into the, the illustrated covers that we've been seeing a lot recently. But we were wondering, how would you classify your books? Would you say that you write romance, fiction, women's lit? I know you love to read women's lit, but would you consider After Everything more of a romance or would you consider it women's lit? I consider it women's fiction because while romance does play a role in the book, it's not the primary Mm -hmm. topic and it doesn't fit into a trope. Yeah, Um, I think with romance, which I absolutely love reading romance. I love getting lost in romance. I love rom-com, but I cannot write it. Uh, (laughs) I've I've tried so many times and I tend to lose course. And um, the book socialite, Leah, is one of my friends and she has been a critique partner and and almost always reads my books before I share them. (laughs) She's read so many books that stop at like chapter five. But (laughs) I'll I'll be writing something. She's like, this is too dark for romance. I was like, I know, I I can't just write the, the this traditional romance, but I love it. I love reading it. And I wish maybe one day I'll get past that and I'll be able to, but I do consider it women's fiction. Um, this one is probably the most romance in one of my books. Um, my past ones tended to, they have a happily for now ending, but they're not always like the ending with the relationship or the ending with two characters together. Yeah. If you had a couple minutes to make a, a pitch or a call to action for readers out there to pick up more independently published books, um, what would you like to say to those readers and our listeners? I would say that of all the books that I have read, some of the most 
passionate authors have been independently published authors. They are the biggest champions of their work. They are the biggest champions of other people's work. And you know, when you when you buy their book, it's it's kind of you get to build a connection with them. And most of them are pretty open on social media and love responding to readers, love seeing reviews and love that interaction. And you know, it's kind of like an indie bookstore. You know, you, you go to the indie bookstore because you want to support mm-hmm. an individual instead of a big corporation. And when you're reading and buying indie books, you get to do that too. Uh, I know some of it's through Amazon and not other platforms, but it's that side of it being able to support and really engage with and drive the creative community is huge. But also there's just some phenomenal storytellers and amazing writers. Um, I always tell Maria, I was like, she could easily in my mind get an agent like that, but she loves having the control and loves having the ability to put out the books that she wants. And you you don't always get that with traditional publishing. So that's one of the, the main things I love about it is you, you tend to get, I don't want to say more authentic, but the stories and the characters to me always feel more real because there's not a lot of commercial editing that goes on top of it that smooths out some of those rough edges of the characters or of the story, which to me, I love real and I love realness. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tend to find in indie books. Yeah. If you're working on anything else right now, can you tell us about it? I just kind of sat down and started plotting a new idea, kind of about four women at very different stages of their lives who end up in the same community college class and end up having to work on a group project together. So it's kind of like an overarching theme of found families. But I literally just came up with the idea and started writing the character bios and the character backgrounds. So I'm hoping to start it and then finish it through NaNoWriMo next month. So. Oh, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We love stories about found families. Um, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, I say read more indie authors. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andrea. And I, everything that you said has so much value. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, not just about your book, but really, you know, the entire industry and um, making a call to more readers to pick up those books that are independently published. So thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this mini exploration into the world of independent publishing. We'll be back with our next episode where we are wrapping up our revisiting romance series. Yeah. And thank you so much to Andrea for sharing her thoughts with us. And after everything is out tomorrow. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcast and subscribe to read it or list it so you never miss an episode. We would really appreciate anyone who chooses to subscribe. It really helps read it or list it be heard by other listeners and readers. Make sure you also stop by today's Instagram post at read it or list it pod and let us know your thoughts on today's episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.